0: and I'll be your host for the next hour. Each week at Mass we say those words, I believe, but our belief has implications on the way we live our life the rest of the week. We explore those implications together right here on Outside the Walls. And today we're going to go a little bit of a different direction. Um, If you listen for any length of time, you know that popular culture is not necessarily uh, the thing that I talk a whole lot about. We spend Time talking about theology or talking about the implications of faith on life. And so we don't really delve too much into popular culture. However, every once in a while, popular culture delves into questions about life and faith. Uh, and so today we're going to talk about a television show that just now ended. It's a television show that's been on NBC called The Good Place. This is not an advertisement. Neither uh, uh, It's a neutral statement. It's out there. Uh, I may or may not have watched it every week. Uh, But um, when it first came on, hypothetically, I'm watching this going, this is really uh, awful eschatological theology, right? This is not how the end times are. This is not what the afterlife is like. But gosh, it's funny. And it's bringing up some important questions about life and philosophy. And so it's worth watching. And so I did that for uh, a number of uh, seasons, four to be exact, Uh, And they just now finished. And the last couple of episodes shifted tone uh, in a significant way and significant enough that I feel that we can spend a day talking about it because it specifically uh, addresses our belief in the afterlife. And because it's such a popular show, that means that you're going to interact with people who have watched it and who it may have shaped some belief. In fact, I had a conversation not too far back where someone expressed to me that they believed in reincarnation and they were Catholic and they didn't really see that those two beliefs were in conflict with one another. Uh, and the show kind of goes a little bit in that direction as well. And so to help us unpack it, we, we brought in the, the big guns. We're talking today with Father Harrison Ayer, who is a priest of the Diocese of Victoria, British Columbia. You can follow him on Twitter. I do at Father Harrison just as easy as that. If the name sounds familiar, and it should, it's because he's also the co-host of Clerically Speaking, a wildly popular uh, uh, podcast of two priests getting together and talking about the things that really matter. Father Harrison, thanks for joining us today. Thanks for having me on. So it was a a great uh, relief to see that someone else was watching this show as well. (laughs)
1: Yeah, I, uh, how did I, I can't remember how I found it. Someone I, I think the first season had already been on, and someone said, oh, you should check out the show. And I, I I remember seeing the billboards and thinking, oh, this is going to be a typical show that's going to totally misunderstand heaven, and uh, I just don't care. It's going to be so bad, right? But I had enough people, and then it finally came on Netflix. or something So I said, okay, I'll watch the first season, and I got hooked.
0: Well, you know, that the first season, and there. by the way, there will be spoilers. So yes. if you've not yet seen this... <laughs> And you plan to, you might want to uh, save this specific episode for later. Don't worry, it's going to be available in the archive for as long as it takes you to binge watch all the way through. Um, <laughs> you know, as I as I first watched it, the, the first season, of course, they expect that they are in uh, their version of heaven, quote right. unquote, the good place. And of course, it turns out at the end of the season, the twist is that this whole time uh, they have not been in the good place. They've been in the other place. and. Right they have been being tormented by the ways that they do not fit uh, in the good place. So I'm like, Oh, well, all of a sudden it's kind of purgatorial. Maybe it's not quite so, so off as we once thought. And by the way, it's super mm-hmm. funny. So I might as well keep watching. Mm-hmm. So you, you had the same experience because they hook you at the end of that season. Yeah. They,
1: yeah. they, they definitely hook you. Although I found it interesting too, because of they don't, they don't go the usual route about what does the afterlife look like or anything like that. And in a way I kind of liked it because it revealed its bias, even though it was trying hard not to be biased. Mm-hmm. Um, so I found out like, super interesting. Like, that's why I actually, I think it's probably one of the best comedies in the last many, many years. Mm-hmm. Uh, Cause it, it's smart. And, it, and for me, actually probably best comedy since the rest of development. Uh, um, just smart intricate intricate. Um, but also like it's revealing the attitude of the writers without like that that's not what happens often with writers. They will they think, okay, I'm gonna be neutral. I don't like because Michael Sure even says himself, I didn't want to bring religion into it. I just wanted to be like a, a philosophical experiment essentially. Which mm-hmm. which is fair. The problem is when you ignore God, you can't help but beg the question of God in the show. Right. So I, I found that really interesting. And I thought they did a good job. Of uh, like the other reason I loved it is I thought they did a good job of talking about philosophy on a popular
0: level. Yeah, yeah. So They did a great job introducing philosophy. It's one of the reasons I kept watching it because they did bring in some really uh, important ethical questions about yeah. what do we owe to one another and how do we treat right. one another and and what are the the outcomes of the way that I behave. Um, but it was also interesting because it it does reveal quite a bit about. Our, uh, our culture's conception of the divine, because mm-hmm. even as they tried to avoid the question of God, they had these characters who were supposed to be um, ultimate judges or ultimate determiners of how things end up. And mm-hmm. it looked to me as though their concept of God was one that we often see the new atheists reject, uh, and, and they should reject that view of God, Uh, But they think that that view of God is God, that God is somehow capricious and out to satiate his own appetites and desires in the same way that a human would be just on a more powerful level. Uh, Almost Mm -hmm. a a Greek mythology kind of, of concept of God superimposed over our current day and culture.
1: Yeah, and... Actually, no, do it. That, that's, uh, that's great. I had nothing
0: to add to that. <laughs> well, that's good, because we're just almost out of time yeah. for this break, but we're going to continue okay. our conversation uh, after the break as we explore the questions of our own belief. What does the, the Christian church say about the afterlife? Is it just getting everything we've always wanted, yeah. or is there something quite a bit more? We're hopefully going to give you the tools that you need to engage in these discussions with those that are around you, your friends, family members— Uh, and folks on the street right after this. Today's guest is Father Harrison Ayer, a priest of the Diocese of Victoria, British Columbia. You can follow him on Twitter, at Father Harrison. And come be a part of the ongoing conversation on social media. Follow us on Facebook.com slash Step Outside the Walls. On Twitter, the handle is at Outside the Walls. Did you watch The Good Place? Talk to me about what you thought about how it ended up. And we'll continue talking about it right after this break, So don't go anywhere. You're listening to Outside the Walls with... Welcome back to Outside the Walls, where we explore the implications of our belief on our daily life. I'm your host, TL. And there's nothing much more daily life than uh, what you talk about around the water cooler. And Mm -hmm. if you, uh, if you have been watching television, you likely have seen uh, even an episode of the good place that was on NBC for the last four seasons just now uh, came to its conclusion and a a conclusion that's worth talking about here, because there are definitely some errors as you would expect from a popular television show uh, in their conception about the afterlife. But, it's not so much that I'm pointing fingers at them and saying, how dare they have misconceptions about the afterlife, so much as I see in that uh, that show uh, mirrored back some misconceptions that Christians often have about the afterlife as well. And so it, it's a great place to start a conversation, whether it be between me and you, or whether it be between you and those who are around you who have, uh, who have watched the show and, and enjoyed the show. This is a place where perhaps you can begin building bridges of trust so that then you can go and have deeper conversations about the things that really matter. Uh, That's one of the things I think that the show did really well is to introduce some concepts that typically don't get thrown out on television and allow us the opportunity to begin having conversations that go beyond the the typical uh, family dynamics uh, and foibles that we often see in sitcoms. To help us uh, break that down a little bit, we're talking today with Father Harrison Air, co-host of Clerically Speaking, which if you don't know about that podcast, you need to go to Confession and then go over <laughs> to, uh, to iTunes or wherever you use your podcast aggregator. Find it, download it, listen. Uh, Father Harrison, thanks for being with us today.
1: No problem. Thanks for having me.
0: So we were talking during the break. The show is not simply something we need to dismiss and throw out and say, oh, that's bad and we ought to flame it there are some really good things that the good place gets right. So let's yeah. start there and then we'll, we'll go on a little bit later to talk about some things that might've been lacking. What did sure. you see? What, what, right out front, the the big thing that you look at and say, you know what, they might've gotten to the wrong place, but this brought up something really well. They did this right.
1: Yeah. I, for me, the biggest, it, it's one of the overarching, it arcs of the show is the, I, and, and it really, I think Eleanor gives really good, uh, a kind of good verbalization to it, to uh, Mindy St. Clair in the last episode, Mm -hmm. right? Mindy's in the medium place, (laughs) stuck in the '80s. Nothing more medium than the '80s. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And uh, he's she's saying to her that you need a community to be better. Mm -hmm. And this is something that has been uh, argued for by. Very prominent philosopher today by the name of Alistair McIntyre with his idea of virtue ethics that you can't, you don't grow in virtue in isolation. Mm-hmm. I don't try to take up the world by my own two bootstraps and try to make it through life, but that I need to be brought up in the realm of a community, which will purify me and strengthen me and encourage me and challenge me to grow in virtue. And I, and that really is like the, the show kind of constantly kind of almost hammers us home this idea that you need community to be better. Mm-hmm. You cannot be. A morally upright, a virtuous person without community. So I think number one, that's, that's, that is the biggest good thing. I mean, there's many others too, but that's the, I, I, if, if anyone takes anything away from that show, I hope it's that.
0: Well, and I'm going to take that a step further because one of the things that they show in the, sh- in the, in the television show is that it's not just a community that makes them better, but it's a community of people who grate on one another, who have exactly. different strengths and different abilities and different, uh, 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 weaknesses that then kind of bump up against the other person. Uh, going back to that idea in scripture that as iron sharpens iron, one man sharpens another, the way that iron sharpens iron is by knocking off the, the bits that stick out.
1: Exactly. No, no, exactly. That, that Yeah, exactly. It, it's, we sometimes it challenges us. And I think that's the, that is especially the beauty of the first season, right? Mm-hmm. Where this hell is actually not really, it, it actually is something that constant in the, it's the inside of the show. They see it, like, wait, this actually brings the best out of us somehow. Right. Um It grates at first, but then these things that we find challenged by another person or whatever, actually form us to see that this person is what brings about my good. Like you can't think of two more polar opposite people than like, Then, um, then Chidi and, um, my gosh, my brain just went totally blank. Jason. Nope. Oh, um, oh my gosh. (laughs) (laughs) When this happens, ah, getting older. Um, Eleanor. Yeah. Oh, yes. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. Chidi and Eleanor are two completely opposite people. And yet, which also plays into this idea that complementarity is actually what is good for a relationship, not this kind of bleak, beige view of everyone. Have, we have to have the same interests and do the same things all the time. No, no, no. it's that comp- complementarity is what brings the best out of each other.
0: Well, let's just take this moment. Uh, you you brought this up. So marriage is something that's very important to us in the faith. Uh, I, I just want to throw this out there. Like you said, it's not about whether we're compatible. The ultimate test of compatibility is whether or not we can be humble with one another. Exactly. Can I be exactly. vulnerable? Can I give up my own way? Can I say, okay, I'm going to put your needs before mine. If so, guess what? You're compatible.
1: Exactly. Exactly.
0: Yeah. Uh, some, uh, some other things that the show does really well is it draws out the, um, the implications of a flaw. They, they show uh, blown up in, in living color what this tiny little character flaw looks like on a large scale and they kind of follow it down all of the, um, uh, the iterations of it and show mm-hmm. how that damages a community. It shows one that, yes, we, we have to be in community to to ever get better, to grow in virtue, but it also shows two that my sins affect the whole community mm-hmm. as well.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, totally. I actually, I never even thought of it. Before, but yeah, exactly. Yeah. It shows this, if, if community is a place that virtue is brought then so too it can be a place where uh, vice or sin can be brought to right this the ripple effect of, of our actions uh really affect one another which is important because we live not by our own design but in a very atomized culture the idea that like individualistic but to the point where i don't see myself in connection with others and so the show kind of brings about this idea that it's not just it's not just a uh, Megan through the world with this idea that we have we have actually a common nature in our humanity and that what we do affects and bears on one another. So it kind of subtly kind of brings back a, a if you will a different kind of metaphysics about what it means to be human. Mm-hmm. Uh, which and I think that's in a way that's actually a good direction to go. It's not perfect, but it's a good direction to go.
0: You know, a a, a lot of what we saw in in the good place in the show would I think be really good, uh, and I think that this is what they were meaning to do, it's really good for us on this side of eternity to look at and say, what can I learn about growing in virtue and needing a community right now? Because Mm -hmm. the truth of the matter is, while their conception of the afterlife is certainly incorrect, their their conception about what's needed uh, for living rightly is largely correct, at least in Mm -hmm. terms of, Uh, the amount of space that we can get to with reason alone.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely.
0: So um, what are some of your maybe favorite moments that, that brought something out that otherwise, you know, you wouldn't expect to see on television? Uh, My favorite moment. Go ahead.
1: My favorite moment. I, I, the Kierkegaard rap. (laughs) My name is Kierkegaard, and my rhyming is impeccable. Check out my teleological suspension of the ethical. And Eleanor just looks at him with this glazed look, and it was amazing. And and uh, I laughed really really hard. I was probably I fell on the ground laughing. <laughs> I didn't expect it, and it was so funny. And it was like just so right. It was uh um so just those fun plays are like on philosophy, and like I said, the, the fact that they often get people right. Um, you know, a little disappointment, the fact that they kind of skip over medieval philosophy, essentially. Uh, but uh, the fact that they get, like, that was one, of, it was it was smart. Like, it's just, it's so often that there isn't smart television anymore. It's just banal toilet humor stuff, which has its place in a way. But the show really just, it was, it was, I love a good, smart comedy. Mm-hmm. And the show didn't dumb itself down for its audience. And so stuff like that, um, The way the i kind of how cheaty, if you will almost becomes like these different over time It becomes a different incarnation of the philosophical system right like uh when they're back on earth for that season um where he where he kind of gives into nihilism and and he becomes totally absurd right? right and i thought wow they got that right so the connection between like theory and giving theory a dramatic role if you will so well done and i mean like um obviously I I, in a way too like I was surprised and not surprised by the twist mm-hmm. at the first season because I was also like after about three episodes I'm like this seems more like hell than heaven right <laughs> this was, I'm like this, frozen this was... yogurt come on <laughs> that was
0: one of the right? things the 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 statement about frozen yogurt that isn't it just like humans to make something a lot worse just so they can have a little bit more of it and
1: that was such and that was I mean, that's when the other good things to so show these uh, through michael these brilliant human insights. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, that like, that is, that was such an insightful thing. And so it, it causes you to kind of ponder it and stuff like that. So, I mean, it's a show like even before the fourth season, I've watched it multiple times already. Cause yeah. I just, I really enjoy it.
0: So let's talk just a little bit and we'll hit this much harder in the next segment, but <laughs> one of the things that they, they don't ever quite nail down is the place of appetite and desire. Mm-hmm. Everything is framed around what what I want most, uh, and they frame everything in these terms of desire and, and look at the afterlife in terms of desire, but they never quite understand the fullness of desire.
1: Right. Yeah. And I think for me, one of the things about the show, and this is what this is when I like good pop culture, because it's trying to reason about something without revelation. And so it actually does a A great job of pointing to something deeper, but you never feel satisfied with the answer they give either, because they can't read. You can't reason to them on your own. So this idea of desire in the show is one of the more fundamental themes, right? This idea that heaven is this place where I get to do all the things I've always wanted to do, like who wouldn't want to fly around in the air and stuff like that. And even and especially in the last few episodes, the good place proper, it's this idea of I want to do everything that I've always wanted to do for eternity, right? But that's not what they. They look at desire in a too immediate of a way, right? Right. Okay, I wanna be able to be the perfect craftsman, right? Um, Okay, let's do that or whatever, right? And you spend however much time to do that, however many Jeremy Baramese to do that, right? Uh, (laughs) But that's not what desire is. So the show points to this need for the fulfillment of desire, but it comes up short. And it sees this idea of death as the only means this is where I don't think they realize how deeply philosophical they got mm-hmm. <laughs> in this part. Because if desire is always is if the, if you're actually oriented towards nothing, then desire is absurd. And so right. you've you've filled that out. You've done everything you could, and now there's nothing left to exist for.
0: Right.
1: You know, you get this kind of like the way Chidi goes about it in the last episode. He kind of almost hits an ennui in his in his soul, like the sense of there's nothing more for me. Yeah. And I find that really, really sad uh, in a way. Because desire is, a, is the fact that I can't fulfill things myself. But that there, but that there's something in me that desires something greater than anything in all of creation itself, which is God himself.
0: We're talking today with Father Harrison Eyre, a priest of the Diocese of Victoria, British Columbia, about the series finale of the television show, The Good Place, what it got right, and what it didn't get right when good is not good enough we're talking about the nature of desire and the nature of eternity join the conversation over on social media facebook.com step outside the walls on twitter the handles at outside the walls and don't go anywhere because there's much more right after this you're listening to outside the walls with tl Welcome back to Outside the Walls where we explore the implications of our belief on daily life. I'm your host, TL. And we're talking about television, which we never do here. You know that. Uh, But here we are because there was a television show over the last four years that was different. Uh, It brought up some deep uh, and, uh, and abiding questions of the human condition. And yes, it did not get all the answers correct. But what do we expect? Honestly, we should be, you and I, very grateful that the conversation was brought up because now this is out there. There's a a starting point for us to begin having some conversations about the nature of the human person, about the nature of our desire, about what our end is, what we're destined for. And so, yes, it did not answer the questions the right way, but it brought the questions up. And so the hard work has been done. And now you have an opportunity in your relationships uh to begin answering those questions and having conversations about the deep things of our existence. And we're having a conversation right here about the deep things with Father Harrison Ayer, who this is kind of uh your your stomping grounds and the deep things of the questions of the human person. Uh Father Harrison's also the co host of the podcast Clerically Speaking, which you ought to go look up right now. There is a link on our social media Facebook.com slash step outside the walls on Twitter, the handles at outside the walls. You can just click that link and go right to it and enjoy more of father Harrison. Uh, Father, thank you for being with us today.
1: No problem. Thanks for having me. This has been great.
0: You've recently done a series of pieces on the question of the human person using some of the work of Pope Benedict XVI. Uh, Just give us a real quick cap on that, and then we'll move back to our conversation about the good place.
1: Sure. One of the most fundamental questions we have to ask ourselves today, and it's always a fundamental question, but it seems to be more so today than ever, is what does it mean to be human? And so this idea is, um, I think, emphasized, especially in the work of Pope Benedict, with the idea that uh, to be a human means that we are gifted into existence. And by being gifted into existence, that means we receive our being from another and that our orientation and goal is for that other and thus everything we have about what it means to be human our body our soul our spirit our mind our intellect our will everything our emotions are created good for the good so that we can find our fulfillment in god and that so because like modernity likes to look at this idea that to be human is i create myself i create my own meaning etc so if we can switch it around see this idea that no actually human means to be i'm gifted Mm -hmm. then it starts to help us understand our, our being differently. So that's what I'm working on in my doctoral work. And uh, and then I've written, yeah, I've written some stuff for Simply Catholic on, on some basics of what it means to be human.
0: Yeah. And of course you talk about that on your Twitter as well. The Twitter there is at Father Harrison. You should follow him. Um, that's one of the things that The Good Place as the television show did is it raised these questions of what does it mean to be human? What do we owe mm-hmm. to one another? Uh, and while it didn't answer the questions in a satisfying way, it asks the question. And that's something that I think our society is deeply in need of right now.
1: Yeah. And because we never ask these questions, it's never part of a conversation. And I think that is part of the attraction of the show. It's like, wait, these are asked. And and when you're looking at a show about heaven or eternity or whatever you want to call it, uh, whether, no matter how well it's presented, you can't help but reflect on your own destiny because of that. Like I remember at the end of the, at the end of the last episode, it got me reflecting on my own destiny. And that that is not easy to do today. So it's kind of doing like some proto-evangelization, perhaps even in ways that we might not be expecting.
0: <laughs> well, you know, one of the interesting things the show did is that our as our increasingly secular society looks for meaning in the physical makeup of reality and in large part has really dismissed any questions of philosophy. Uh, a lot of people right. say, "Well, philosophy doesn't matter. Give me science, whereas really, the two go hand in hand because they answer yeah. different questions. I loved the fact that the show uh, the 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 writers and the producer cared enough about uh, philosophy that they introduced some really important philosophical questions to primetime television.
1: Yeah, I've read up on why Michael Shore was doing. And apparently, he was just reading a philosophy book one day. He kind of just went all in. Yeah. And he was always reading philosophy books. He didn't even understand it all. I mean, they even got people to come in as experts, like philosophy profs, to come in and talk about these questions and stuff like that, to educate the people on this. Um, these are, like you said, these are not questions we often ask, but they are the perennial questions. Mm-hmm. And no matter the culture, even if we, even it, some cultures will go about it differently, but every culture is always asked, why am I here? Who am I? And what is my debt? Or do I have a destiny? Yeah. Because if I don't, that that satisfies a whole bunch of problems in the world. But if it does, then that puts a responsibility on my life to live for something and something more than myself.
0: Just at the end of the last segment, we talked about the question of desire. What am I made for? And how will I be fulfilled? Because that's ultimately what the question of desire is. Mm -hmm. Um, One of the things that The Good Place, I think, does not get right is their conception of eternity merely being the satisfaction of my appetites, right? That thing that I want, uh, everything I've ever wanted. Uh, You know, if I, if I like cheeseburgers, well, in the afterlife, I'm going to have 50 cheeseburgers on a plate at any given moment. Well, Mm -hmm. you and I both know that if you want a cheeseburger, 50 cheeseburgers is just going to make you sick. Mm -hmm. It's going to get to the place where you no longer have uh, a desire for that thing because it has been, More than sated, it has been taken to to its extreme. Mm -hmm. And so one of the things that the show gets wrong is that it frames all questions of desire as if it's a desire for a finite thing that can somehow eventually we can get tired of.
1: Yeah. If we get tired of these things, then that points to the fact that there is something deeper in me that isn't satisfied. Mm -hmm. So either we fall into kind of like what happened in the last episode, Essentially, it's it's nihilism. This is, and this has been kind of the subtle thread of the whole show. When you take God out, you can't help but have nihilism. It's the only possible response. Um in a way, it's funny that like there's a little side. they present it in kind of a weirdly beautiful way, and even in a somewhat joyful and attractive way, but still nihilism. Right. <laughs> still that's still what it is. There's a reason we're never satisfied with satiation, mm-hmm. because there's actually a deeper desire. I'm actually got a thirst for the infinite and I, all these things become boring without the infinite involved. Yeah.
0: One of the other things that they do there at the end of the show, because of course the whole afterlife is really a metaphor given to us for our current life. How are we going to make our current life good in view of how they make their afterlife good? Uh, One of the troubling things about the show was the way that they ended it seemed to say that um, you get to choose when your end comes. And as we're facing in our societies, these questions of legalized assisted suicide, uh, because I've done everything I wanted to do or because the pain is too great or because whatever, uh, this seems to say that our existence truly is in our own hands. Yeah. Something's missing there.
1: Absolutely. And um, what it's missing is this idea that I am not, I don't create my own destiny. (laughs) Essentially, my destiny, what I am made for is actually something that I, that is to be gifted to me. I noticed that, that thing too. It was kind of a, it was presented as a kind of death with dignity thing, which yeah. is a big question here in Canada. Um, there was a real sadness to that because I thought they're missing the one thing. I think that that points to a need for a deeper question. And it was, like you said, this is the one question the show misses. It's, it refuses to ask the
0: question about God. Yeah. And and it showed very clearly, I think most clearly in the last couple of episodes, that we are made for one another, that we're yeah. made for community, mm-hmm. uh, and and that that's a beautiful picture. But not only are we made for community, we are made for for God. We're made for other, and and that's you know in the same way that we have this infinite desire, this desire for what what cannot be fulfilled. God is infinite in his desire for us, but also in his gifts to us. Yeah, uh, You know, God is not merely, as we encounter him, he's not in the presence of endorphins or uh, everything we've ever wanted or all the happiness that we could imagine. There is, scripture says, I has not seen, nor his ear he heard, nor his mind even conceived the things that God has prepared for those who love him.
1: That the show really, how do I don't want to put this, it really, it's like a real sadness that it doesn't even want to, even if it wants to reject the idea of God, the fact that it kind of totally ignores it misses the idea of like what God is essentially. Because I think I get to an extent that at least the way people view God in, in popular culture, and perhaps the way someone like Michael Schuer would would kind of see it, the act the actuality of God would perhaps remove the dramatic element of the show. Although that's not true, right? <laughs> but it removes they think it removes the dramatic element of the show um the problem is like with the end of the show if this is the way life is then like what is the point of even the purgatorial process that they kind of invent what is the point of all this Mm -hmm. if you need death and non-existence in order to find value and meaning for the current moment actually none of these things have meaning because there's nothing transcending grounding existence like the way they even kind of if you will look at their kind of metaphysical worldview even heaven if you will has there's nothing grounding it outside of itself there is no god to ground everything and the show is funny too because they try so hard to avoid religion but they actually get very buddhist to it. yeah (laughs) which was very interesting because he like i was like you guys say you don't want to bring in, although maybe buddhism is more of a philosophy anyways but still um the they're missing the one thing that actually gives meaning and sustenance to all these things, because otherwise you're just living for nothing because right. you will be nothing in the end.
0: And so that brings and, us then to to a kind of communal hedonism. Yeah, I've got to be yeah. there for the community, but I want to get everything that is satisfying to me here and now uh, and, and fulfill these baser desires mm-hmm.
1: exactly. And so, My question is, and that was the the frustrating question at the end of the show is, why do any of this? Mm -hmm. Even, even, even? okay, for the sake of the community or whatever, what is the point of that? What's the point of the community? If we all walk through the door, none of this matters. That's right. There is no lasting meaning. There is no lasting purpose. And when there's none of these things, nothing is grounded. If nothing's grounded, then nothing is. And if nothing is, that's called nihilism.
0: Yeah. And that's why... As we, as we look at these questions of faith, uh, as we look at these questions of, of being, we look at it in light of the fact of what's been revealed to us by God, that God, who cares very much for his creation all throughout Scripture, that God cares for us, created us for relationship, not just with one another, but relationship with the divine, relationship with the infinite. And Scripture says he's come to make us sharers in the divine life. This is where we find hope and meaning and what really gives us something to live for.
1: Have you ever read C.S. Lewis's Chronicles of Narnia? Oh yes. Okay, the last battle.
0: Farther up and farther in.
1: You read my mind, exactly. This is, uh, St. Gregory of Nyssa actually talks about this too. He says that because we are finite creatures and God is absolute infinite, no matter how much in the life of eternity, even though it's not like a sequence like it is now, we will always will there's always a surpassing
0: yeah.
1: in God because God is infinite. There's no board, there can't be boredom. Yeah. Because God is infinite and He's and we're always delighting in the fact that we are in Him. And so you go further up and further in as Jesus says you're never detracting from the previous experience, but there's always something deeper.
0: We've been talking today with Father Harrison Ayer. He's a priest of the Diocese of Victoria in British Columbia. He's the co-host of Clerically Speaking, a wildly popular podcast that if you've not heard it, go find it. We have a link on our social media. Follow him on Twitter, at Father Harrison. And when we come back, we're going to explore this idea of heaven and the nature of our desire as we look through Scripture and our reading from church history There's so much more to come right after this, so don't go anywhere. You're listening to Outside the Walls with TL. Welcome back to Outside the Walls, where we explore the implications of our belief on our daily life. I'm your host, TL. Well, today we had the great pleasure of talking with Father Harrison Eyre, who is a priest in the Diocese of Victoria in British Columbia. He's the co host of Clerically Speaking, uh, which is a wildly popular a podcast. And I've wanted to get Father Harrison on for this and that over uh, last several months. Uh, and then. This was the opportunity. Today was the day that we were actually able to pull it off because we had the series finale of the NBC show, The Good Place, which was a comedic look at the afterlife. What does it look like after we die? And as you can imagine, a, uh, a mainstream television network did not get all of the answers correct. Uh, I know that's a shocker. <laughs> so today we, uh, we broke it down a little bit. We looked at the whole series uh, but specifically looked at the last couple of episodes and talked about what did the show get right, what did the show get wrong, and used the show, I, I think, in the way that that all of us should use such things out of popular culture. We use the show as a jumping-off point to talk about the deeper things of God uh, and what it looks like. You know, yes, it got the, the answers wrong, but it asked the question. And whenever we ask the question, it gives us the opportunity— uh, if we are ready, as we're instructed to be by Scripture, to give an answer for the hope that's within us. So we did that today with Father Harrison. If you missed any part of the show or you just want to go back and listen again, have no fear, all of our episodes are archived right over at OutsideTheWalls.com. Now, I had such a great time with Father Harrison uh, that we continued the the conversation after The episode quit rolling after the interview was done. And that extra segment is available to everyone who supports the show through Patreon. If you're interested in being a part of that support community while you're there, taking a look at the archives, getting ready to share it with your friends on social media there at OutsideTheWalls.com, then up in the top right-hand corner of the page, you'll also see a link that says support the show hyphen Patreon. If you click that link, you can get all the information about what it takes, as little as $5 a month to get all the extra episodes, all the extra segments that we have recorded, one per week. Uh, and you can catch up on some really, you know, interesting conversations that we've had after after the broadcast is finished. Well, let's go ahead now. We're going to continue this, this question of the afterlife. Uh, and we're going to do that through our readings from Scripture and from church history. Our reading from Scripture today is going to come from the book of Revelation, because what better book of the Bible should we use to talk about the end of all time than to look at the book that talks about the end of all time, right? Uh, This is from the book of Revelation chapter 21. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. That reading comes from the book of Revelation chapter 21. And what I see here and what I want to point out is this idea of the new heaven, the new Jerusalem, the new earth, Christ seated on the throne saying, Behold, I make all things new. And then I also want to pop us back to that scripture that we referenced earlier in the episode. Eye has not seen, ear has not heard, nor has mind conceived what God has prepared for those who love him. That comes from the book of 1 Corinthians. And listen to this very carefully because everything that we experience in this life is, points to heavenly realities, but it's merely a pointer. It, it just is giving us a basic idea. It, it is as different from our experience of desire here as our experience of puppy love when we are young is different than the mature love of a husband and wife. Yes, there's there's some correlation, and yes, it can kind of give us an idea and, and move us in the direction to be capable of mature love, but puppy love is not mature love. That first crush does not have a concept for the love of a husband and wife or the love of a parent to their child. In the same way, the way that we desire things here, the way that we desire happiness and fulfillment here on earth are going to pass away because they are temporary. Any time that we have a desire fulfilled, it is a temporary fulfillment. I want to eat because I'm hungry. I desire it. I have an appetite for it. And then I eat and I am satisfied briefly because in a couple of hours, I'm going to be hungry again. And this also brings to mind the the question, the story of Jesus coming and approaching the woman at the well and asking for a drink. And uh, and he says, if you knew the one who asked of you, you would ask and he would give you living water and you would never thirst again. And she says, give me this water always, right? This is the the difference between our current desire on earth, and the desire that we are made for, the desire for the infinite, not to experience eternal uh, satisfaction, eternal uh, endorphins, but to be united with Christ and united with God the Father in such a way that our desire for the infinite is filled and sated with the infinite. Our reading from church history is uh, the only person who could break this out clearly for us, is from St. Thomas Aquinas, coming from a a conference by St. Thomas Aquinas on the Creed, and he says this, "'I shall be satisfied when your glory is seen.'" It is fitting that the end of all our desires, namely eternal life, coincides with the words at the end of the creed, life everlasting, amen. The first point about eternal life is that man is united with God, for God himself is the reward and the end of all our labors. I am your protector and your supreme reward. This union consists in seeing perfectly. At present, we are looking at a confused reflection in a mirror, but then we shall see face to face. Next, it consists in perfect praise. According to the words of the prophet, joy and happiness will be found in it, thanksgiving and words of praise. It also consists in the complete Satisfaction of desire. For there the blessed will be given more than they wanted or hoped for. The reason is that in this life no one can fulfill his longing, nor can any creature satisfy man's desire. Only God satisfies. He infinitely exceeds all other pleasures. That is why man can rest in nothing but God. As St. Augustine said, You have made us for yourself, Lord, and our heart can find no rest until it rests in you. Since in their heavenly home the saints will possess God completely, obviously their longing will be satisfied, and their glory will be even greater. That is why the Lord says, Enter in the joy of your Lord. Augustine adds, The fullness of joy will not enter into those who rejoice, But those who rejoice will enter into joy. I shall be satisfied when your glory is seen. And again, he who satisfies your desire with good things. Whatever is delightful is there in superabundance. If delights are sought, there is supreme and most perfect delight. It is said of God, the supreme good, boundless delights are in your right hand. Again, eternal life consists of the joyous community of all the blessed, a community of supreme delight, since everyone will share all that is good with all the blessed. Everyone will love everyone else as himself, and therefore will rejoice in another's good as in his own, since it follows that the happiness and joy of each grows in proportion to the joy of all. That reading from Church History Today comes from a conference by St. Thomas Aquinas on the Creed, and here is the truth. We experience divine beatitude when together as the full church, together as all the blessed in heaven, share in the goodness of the infinite, of God himself who gives us not just good things, but the good itself, that which transcends all that we could ask or even imagine here on earth. And so the best way to be prepared for that is right now here on earth to seek after the divine good, to seek after Jesus himself and relationship with Christ which will prepare us as much as we can be prepared for that life of infinite beatitude. That's all the time we have for today. Today's show is brought to you by Joseph Roberts and all of those who support the show through Patreon. Go to OutsideTheWalls.com, click that Patreon link, and join their numbers this week. And until next week, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you.